Hello, my name is Brad McIntyre. You're listening to the Cultivated Playwright Podcast, episode number 34. sitting down to record this at the beginning of October 2022, and it is now autumn. The summer for 2022 is officially over, and uh, I figured I better come on this podcast and do a little debriefing of my project that I called The Summer of Four Plays. If you uh, haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, it's a couple back, I don't know, episode 31 maybe? (laughs) I'm not quite sure. It's a It's where I discuss what I'm going to do for the summer uh, at the very beginning of the summer. And uh, at the very beginning of the summer, I basically announced that I was going to sit down over the next four months and write four plays or or work on four play projects. And I will talk about how those went each in turn. So uh, let's get going. So the project that got probably the most progress done on it was my solo show. I set out to write a solo show uh, that involved time travel, and I still don't have a title for it. In fact, I still don't have a title for for most of these projects. But I actually succeeded in doing about 95% of a full rough draft of that play. It is nowhere near being presentable to people. It needs a lot of work, a lot of rewriting, but I have moved from the outline stage and the notes stage, and I've actually written a couple of scenes, and... uh, I have basically a working draft, like a draft to work with, a full, almost a full draft. Um, there's little pieces here and there that I made little notes to go back and, and finish scenes off and things like that. But it's something that I can actually cobble together in the near future and put together into a show. Uh, the rewriting process is, is usually pretty extensive for me. The two really hard parts of writing a play, and I, I don't know if this goes for all playwrights, but for me, coming up with the idea from scratch... And it usually works one of two ways. Either I have way more ideas than I know what to do with, and I have to figure out how to put them in some sort of order. Or, which is also just as likely a case, I have no ideas, and uh, I just kind of wait for inspiration to hit and uh, capture whatever uh, little little concepts and ideas that come to me when they do, and uh, try to build it up from the from the outside in. This play, I actually did a... I had a lot of ideas on, and I am very happy that I have pretty close to a full draft. I keep saying pretty close because it would be dishonest to say the draft is 100% complete, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close, and I I feel that I can work on it during the winter, and by next summer I can actually have like a piece up on its feet, like in in working shape. So I'm going to mark that in the successful pile. Uh, The next play, which, uh, let's see, Trying to remember the ones that I outlined in that summer of four plays. And I'm trying to go in that order, but I don't know if I, I will. But I'll just pick one from random. The uh, the pirate play that I was working on. So, I was going to try to do a play based on the, some of the tropes that you find in Shakespeare plays. So, like shipwrecks and wacky sidekicks, disguises and betrayals and intrigue and sword fights and blah, blah, blah. So, I actually outlined this play, but I didn't get more than maybe one or two scenes actually written out for it. It uh, 
the plot I found was uh, getting too convoluted and I had to kind of streamline it and uh, I'm still working on it. I'm very excited about this place still and it's actually probably the most fun of the four projects that I've I set out for myself, but it's not anywhere near being a full first draft. So cannot claim success on that front. Um, as far as like what I originally thought and intended to do, uh, I did not get it done. Uh, that said, I still really like to play and I'm still very interested in doing it and that's a plus. I also set out to write a family drama, kind of like a like a Eugene O'Neill, uh, Arthur Miller style, like the dynamics of a family and it would involve time traveling brothers. Uh, this play got the least amount done on it. I don't even have a full outline for it. I found it much more complicated than I originally, uh, from the original idea. And uh, it also has probably the most potential, especially for production, of all of my ideas. But it's going to need a lot, lot more work. And I'm actually going to have to sit down and concentrate on it and not be distracted by trying to do other projects. So that, that play still does not have a title either. Cannot say I finished even a full outline on it yet. I'm still interested in it, but it's more fascinating than it is fun. And I imagine it will get fun once I get into it. But I'm going to have to kind of clear the, clear the runway, so to speak, uh, in order to, uh, to really get into that. Uh, and the last project that I attempted this summer was to adapt one of my solo plays, The Beast of Hyperborea, into a graphic novel, like into the format of a graphic novel. And I will say, I did not do that. I, <laughs> I found it incredibly difficult. And here's the thing, I kind of want it to be a good graphic novel. I'm pretty, I'm pretty at ease with how it is as a solo piece on stage, as a piece of theater. But as I sat down to make it into a, uh, a comic book script, basically, I found that I am not good at writing comic book scripts. And it stands to reason because I haven't written comic book scripts uh, before. And like anything else, you got to do it a lot to get good at it. And I can recognize that it's not good. And I want it to be good. And uh, I try to get my mind around to visualizing what the panels might look like so I can add descriptions of what's going on and then dividing the dialogue up as it would be in a comic book and what goes on what page and where. It's actually, it's pretty dynamic and, and pretty challenging. And I gave myself a crash course in writing for comic books and I read a couple of books about it. Brian Michael Bendis's book was, was very, very helpful. But yeah, I'm going to have to sit down with that one too. It, it's going to be more work than I thought it was going to be, and it's going to be more concentration than I thought it was going to be. And because I have this kind of inner need for it to be not just... I, I, there's a point of just doing it, and there's a point of doing it and knowing that you did a good job on it. I have to make sure that I did a good job on it. I don't know what, how other people will respond to it, but my bar is usually a lot higher than other people's bars. And for my own work, I try to put the bar pretty high. So <laughs> I cannot claim that that was successful either. So out of the four, only one got mostly done. The pirate play got an outline in a couple of scenes. The family drama uh, hardly got any work done at all. And the comic book thing, I keep having to start over again because I keep finding out how much I don't know about writing for comic books. So that's how that whole project wrapped up. Am I counting this 
a success. As a challenge, yes, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm not, I'm not successful in that I specified at the beginning of the summer, here's what I'm setting out to do. Over the f- next four months, I'm going to write these four things. I did not do that. I was not successful on that front. What I was successful is finding out how I write and why I, there's like a lot of reasons why I didn't get to these plays. And a lot of, uh, a lot of them are kind of baked into the idea of doing it as a challenge at all. About a decade ago, I got really concerned about my health. I was, uh, I've been a big guy, like my whole life, I've been pretty big dude. I broad shoulders. I'm, I'm pretty barrel shaped. Got a pretty, pretty fleshy face, and uh, that's all okay. But about a decade ago, I was topping out at almost 300 pounds, like just shy of being 300 pounds in weight. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's too high a number. And I ached all the time, and I had problems sleeping, and there was a lot of problems. I tried very hard to turn that ship around, and. Since then, I've been, I'm about 50 pounds lighter and still going slowly, slowly down. I've gotten stronger over time. My sleeping is up and down, but it's getting better. I'm slowly, because I've been paying attention to it, I'm slowly getting more and more healthy. I cannot imagine announcing 10 years ago, just to my friends and family, that I was going to go on some sort of diet and some sort of workout plan and just magically lose a bunch of weight. I can only imagine that would have been a recipe for disaster. This project has basically confirmed for me that I do not give an F what other people think. I think it's called extrinsic motivation, meaning motivation outside yourself. And it's like uh, social accountability. When you tell people you're going to do something and then you're embarrassed not to do it, so you Hold yourself accountable because other people will think less of you. I actually don't care what other people think about me. And if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't do it. The motivation has to, for me, me, I'm found, is got to be intrinsic. I I have to want it. I have to drive it. It has to be for a reason that I find valuable. And uh, so this experiment was helpful in that it really confirmed that that's not going to work. If I'm not up against a deadline, I'm not going to do it. If I'm not, if I'm trying to please other people in some way or, or have them hold me accountable, that's not going to, it's not going to get the job done. So that was a big learning uh, experience for the summer. And I'm grateful to know that about myself. And I kind of suspected it, but now it's pretty much confirmed. Yeah, it works for some people. It does. It really does. But I'm finding it doesn't work for me. I really have to throw myself into the briar patch. I have to throw myself in. If other people are telling me to do it, it's not going to work. And if other people have expectations, I just don't care about their expectations. I also learned I like having the room for serendipity. Like, I don't like being held to the fire on certain things. Even early on, I realized I wasn't able to concentrate on one of these plays my mind skipped around so that I worked on all of the plays kind of all of the time. And I really like operating that way. I like having kind of an openness and a freedom to my thoughts and allowing my brain to work on whatever it needs to work on. And I kind of held all of them in my, you know, in the back of my mind. So the ideas kept percolating, but I found it really hard to concentrate on one, knowing that I had these other three projects that I also had to do. 
Now on top of it, I didn't spend the summer as a slouch. It's not like I laid around watching Netflix instead of writing these plays. I actually was working on other plays that I did not announce um, that actually did have <laughs> actual deadlines. So if you've listened to the last two episodes, you know that I picked up one of my other solo shows and remounted it at several festivals. Uh, it was called Robert's Eternal Goldfish, and I had to go back to rehearsing that uh, for these festivals. And I had to pull my mind out of what other, whatever creative activities I was doing, I had to pull out of those activities and put my mind into that play in order to do that play justice, because I was performing it, and I had written it previously, so it was on me. I also was working on a play called Sarah Giant Monster, which I go into rehearsals for next week. It is being produced at the college I work at, and I'm directing it. I, I wrote it, and I am directing it. And uh, it has received uh, readings before, uh, one down in Houston, a staged reading, and then it received a, de a developmental production at a wonderful theater company in Lafayette, Louisiana, a couple of years ago. And I've been meaning to get back to it and work on it some more, but now I have a bunch of students that I'm about to start directing in it, and I'm going to direct it at a college, and so I've... I've gone back to work on it again, and so I've, I've completed two, two additional drafts of that play, uh, especially fitting it out for the kind of conditions I'm going to be directing it in um, at the college um, for student actors. That took up some time. That took up a lot of my brain space, and I really, and I had an actual deadline on that, like rehearsals, uh, the auditions were held last week, and uh, I had to have the working version of the script done by last week. So I put time in on that instead of these, these four plays that I outlined at the beginning of the summer. So all that is to say, uh, those three things I kind of walk away with. One, social accountability, not so much uh, in my wheelhouse. Two, I like the openness and kind of uh, serendipity of floating from project to project. And three, if I have deadlines, hard and fast deadlines, those those take priority. Other other things that are not necessarily announced take priority. So, yeah, was it a, a worthwhile endeavor? Yes. Was I okay with announcing it in this podcast uh, those many months ago? Yeah, totally. Was it successful and did I write four plays? No, no, I totally did not. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening. I'm going to wrap it up today. I'm I'm still working on that Peter Brook memorial episode. That should be coming out soon. Uh, check back. I've got a couple of other thoughts on a couple of other things as well, and I'm going to be doing some uh, some fun stuff with this podcast here as uh, the autumn and kind of cooks along and into the winter. So, hey, thanks for sticking around with me. Again, my name is Brad McIntyre. You can find me at bradmcintyre.com. You can, of course, visit the uh, Cultivated Playwright website, which is at WordPress, and uh, see all the show notes and whatnot. And uh, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, have a good day. Bye-bye.